بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن ينصركم الله فلا غالب لكم وإن يخذلكم فمن ذا الذي ينصركم من بعده وعلى الله فليتوكل المؤمنون صدق الله معالي الناظين my dear respected and most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, I would humbly request that some of the brothers, I know it's the start and it's the beginning of the gathering, please do come forward for those of you who are scattered towards the sides and you can see some in the back corner over there. Come forward. Allah bless you. I'm going to tell you uh, a story, a story that you've heard before. Before I tell you that story, uh, we must begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future, insha'Allah. <coughs> Shaykh al-Islam Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his book, Ghibtatul Nadir fi Tarjamat al-Shaykh Abdul Qadir, he narrates a story, and this is a story about the life of Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, and he relates from Muhammad ibn al-Qa'id who states that I once asked the Shaykh, I once asked Shaykh Abdul Qadir said, what is the fundamental basis upon which your entire matter revolves? What is that one thing that you can turn to or you can point towards and say this is the one thing that I trust in wholeheartedly, or I believe in wholeheartedly, or I have practiced and my whole life revolves around it. Shaykh Abdul Qadir said, As-Sidq, truthfulness. He said to Muhammad Abdul Qaid that I have never lied, not even when I was young, studying in a Quranic school, I never once told a lie. He then said that the following thing happened to me. He narrated a story when I was very young. He said, I once went out to the fields and it was the day of Arafah and he remembered that it was the day of Arafah. And I was walking behind the plowing cows and now, as I was walking behind them, one of the cows turned to me and says, Oh, Abdul Qadir, this is not what you've been created for. This is not your purpose in life. Naturally, as a young child, seeing this, witnessing this, I was absolutely terrified. I had no idea what to do. So I ran away. I ran home scared and I went to the roof 
of my house. And from there I could see people standing on the Mount of Arafah. Immediately I went downstairs, I grabbed hold of my mother and I said to my mother, like, gift me for the sake of Allah. Give me away for the sake of Allah. I want to go to Baghdad and I want to acquire knowledge. I want to study Islam. I want to visit the righteous people. I want to be like the righteous people. Said my mother said to me, this is Abdul Qadir narrating the, the story himself, that my mother said to me that I have 80 gold pieces which your father left behind in inheritance. 40 were for your brother and 40 of the gold pieces are for you. So she clothed in one of his jackets, she stitched a secret compartment wherein she stashed those 40 gold pieces. And she gave me leave to proceed. But before she gave me leave to proceed, before she allowed me to go, she made me take a covenant with her. She made me take an oath with her. And the oath was that I would always speak the truth. I will always stand up for the truth and I will never ever tell a lie. Before I left, my mother said to me, Go, my son, go. I've given you up for the sake of Allah and I fear that I'm never going to see you again until the day of resurrection. And that's actually what happened. So I left and at the time it was a custom when people would travel they would travel together in caravans and the reason why they did this is that lone travelers would often be targeted by highwaymen and highwaymen were robbers who would rob them of their belongings and leave them in the desert to die so when they would travel together in a group they were well protected they could protect each other they had security so there was a caravan traveling towards Baghdad and I joined it. He himself then states that as a small child when this caravan passed a place called Hamadan, which is about sort of, uh, 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 a few sort of hundred miles before Baghdad, said our caravan was attacked by 60 horsemen. These horsemen were highwaymen, they were robbers. They attacked the caravan, they got everybody out, they got everybody away from the caravan, they took all of our belongings and then they individually asked each and every individual, each and every person, what have you got? What cash, what money, what jewelry? How many gold and silver pieces do you have? As they were asking everybody, one of the robbers, he walks past me and in jest, as if he was joking, he said, oh, oh, poor one, oh, miskeen, looking towards me. He said, oh, miskeen, laughing and saying, what do you have? Is there anything that you can give? And Shaykh Abdul Qadir says, I do, I have 40 gold pieces. 
the, the highway man, man, the robber, he clearly thinks that this is some kind of a joke. And he laughs and says, you have 40 gold pieces? Okay, where are you 40 gold pieces? He said, I've, I've got them. They're in my jacket, my coat. My mother stitched them in a secret compartment. Now the, the man is clearly confused. He has no idea why this child is telling him where his money is hidden because otherwise they would never have known. So he's confused, he doesn't know what to do. So he takes me to the leader. Every group has a leader. Their band of, of robbers also had a leader. They took him to the leader and the leader was very happy telling everybody to bring what they have, what they have collected from the people and gathering it in one place. He's extremely happy. So he said, I bought, I was taken, Shaykh Abdul Qadir said, I was taken to the leader of the robbers. And I am, the, the, the highway, one of the robbers informed the, the leader, this is what this child has told me. I asked him what you have. He said, I have 40 gold pieces. They're stitched in the underlining of my coat. And I brought him to you. The leader, of course, still, he's quite, he's humored at this point. So he asked the child the same questions. The child gives exactly the same response. Then they take the, the coat. They rip the underlining off and they find the 40 gold pieces just to see whether this child was actually telling the truth. And the, the leader of the robbers, he's confused. He has no idea what's happened. So he asks Abdul Qadir, So Abdul Qadir, what, what drove you to tell the truth? If you hadn't told us that you had money and where it was hidden, we would never have found it. You would have got away with it. You would have gone on your journey. You would have still had your 40 gold pieces. So what drove you? Why did you have to tell us the truth? And the reply of this young child of about six or seven years old, absolutely shocked them and changed their world. The reply of Shaykh Abdul Qadir was, Ummi ahadatni ala sidq, wa ana la akhunu ahdaha. My mother took an oath from me, she took a covenant from me, that I will always speak the truth, and I will never betray her trust. As in, I will never break that covenant, that oath that I, have, that I took with my mother. I'm always going to tell the truth, therefore I'm telling you the truth. And Shaykh Abdul Qadir himself states that the, the leader of the robbers, he began to cry. He began to weep, he began to sob. And he said to Shaykh Abdul Qadir that you couldn't betray the covenant that Ahad, that you took with your mother. And we've been betraying the covenant that we took with our Lord for so many years. We've been on the wrong path for so many years, robbing people doing wrong to the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he sought forgiveness from Allah. And he asked Abdul Qadir, a small child, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive me. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he accept my forgiveness. His friends then turned to him and also sought forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They said to him, their response was quite amazing. They said to uh, their leader that you are our leader when we were robbing and 
pillaging village, villages and taking people's uh, money, their gold and their silver. You are our leader then and you are our leader now while seeking repentance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they all sought repentance and never went uh, back to their ways. Now the reason why I started off by telling you this story is that the vast majority of you, and I'm sure those who will come, know this story. We've heard this story. We've heard it from a young age. Our mothers would tell us. My mother told me when I was a child. And just to inspire me to always tell the truth. Look at Shaykh Abdul Qadir. Look how truthful he was. You know, the truth shall, shall set you free. Always speak the truth. Never tell a lie. It's amazing advice. It's great advice. But there are some things that are within this story or are mentioned within the story that we've forgotten. That we haven't taken away from it. And the purpose of this story, the, the reasoning of this story is so much more than that. It's not just specifically related to sidq, to truthfulness. There's two things that are absolutely necessary and go hand in hand. Two things that we must understand. When we look at the mother, we find something extraordinary. Look at her sincere tawakkul, her reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Shaykh Abdul Qadir says to his mother, that I'm going to go and study in Baghdad, and I'm going to become from among the righteous people. Imagine at the time, when you had to let people go to study, and now it's easy, you can get on a plane and you can go from A to B. This is a small child of six or seven years. She entrusts this child to a caravan. No, not to the caravan. She entrusts her child to Allah. She says, go, I know that I'm never going to see you again. I'm going to see you on, on your qiyamah now. Her tawakkul and her reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm entrusting my child to Allah. That Allah is now going to take care of him. What mother would do something? This is the mother of Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. How many mothers, how many parents have that much reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today? How many parents, your parents here too? How many of you would have that courage to have that type of tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Also look at the tawakkul of Shaykh Abdul Qadir at such a young age. He has no fear of telling them where the money is. That's a type of tawakkul too. When you have no fear of what you have leaving you. Because they're material possessions. You have no concern for them. He had no concern for them. The money can go, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look after me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look after my sustenance. This is trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan. This is where tawakkul comes from. It, it, it stems from the root word wakala which means to entrust or to charge, to charge something to someone or to authorize something to someone. And this is why we call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-wakil, the one who is in the disposer of affairs, the one who is entrusted with all the affairs. This is something that is drastically lacking in the Muslim communities of today. Something that when you look at the lives of the Sahaba, the life of the Prophet you will find it in, a, in abundance. Tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
understanding what tawakkul, what reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means. Now, I'll give you a, a, an example. In his book, Madariju Salikin, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, may Allah have mercy upon him, he, he states, and he gives an example of, 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 of tawakkul, and the person who has that, that type of tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, the condition of someone who relies upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and has tawakkul, sincere tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is like that man who is given a dirham by a king. He's given a dirham by a king. As he leaves the court and goes outside after receiving this dirham, someone steals it from him and runs away. That dirham that was given to him. Now he feels that he relied on that dirham. He needed that dirham. It was taken away from him. He goes back into the court and the king says to him, he relates his story to the king. I've lost the dirham, someone stole it from me. The king then says to him, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't be fearful, don't fret, don't weep, don't be sad. When you come to me, know that my treasures are full. Where that one dirham came from, there are many thousands and thousands more. And if he trusts the king, if he believes the king, that his treasures are full, he will not be sad over what he has lost. He's not going to be fearful. He's not going to grieve over what was taken away from him. This is a sign in the reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when you lose something, you know, if you rely and trust on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that his treasures are full. He gives an abundance. He has an abundance. His treasures will never ever be empty. And if you have that trust in Him, then those things that leave you will never ever get you down, will never make you sad, will never make you grieve. Imam Abdullah ibn, uh, ibn, ibn Alawi al Ta'ala, in expounding upon tawakkul, Trust and reliance on, on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his spiritual masterpiece entitled Risalat uh, al-Mu'awana, the book of assistance. He explains the signs of tawakkul. And he supports his position by giving an example, another example from Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. He says the one who, whose reliance in Allah is sincere, his, whose trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sincere, there are three things that that individual has going for him. There are three marks of that person whose tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sincere. The first thing is that he, has, he neither has hopes in nor fears anybody except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He only hopes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and he only fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't fear anybody else. That's the first thing. And a sign of this is that he upholds the truth in front of or in the presence of those people who are in positions of authority like power like like princes and kings that's the first thing the second thing that he has going for him is that worrying about his sustenance worrying about his risk never enters his heart 
He never fears for his rizq or where his sustenance is going to come from. Because of his confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. Because of his, his, his confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guarantee that Allah azza wa jal will never forsake him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never leave him penniless, destitute and poor. So his heart is tranquil. He knows that my needs are going to be fulfilled because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of me. The third thing that he has going for him is that his heart does not become disturbed in fearful situations. In tough times, in scary times, he doesn't get scared. His heart remains tranquil. Because he knows, and look what... Uh, uh, Abdullah ibn Hulwi al-Haddad mentions, he knows that whatever missed him could never have struck him, and that which struck him could never have missed him. Knowing that whatever happens, happens because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to happen, or Allah willed it to happen. This is absolutely amazing. If only we were to understand this, Everything that happens in our lives, there's a reason, there's a purpose behind it. Everything that happens in your life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that it happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed it to happen, whether it be good or bad. This is our belief in al-qadr, in destiny. Khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah ta'ala. Good and bad is all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we were to truly understand this, then those, the bad that befalls us, we will not blame Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it. We will not go into depression because of it. We will not leave our religion because of it. Instead, we will run towards the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even more. Knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put me in this situation, and لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises in the Quran that no matter how tough no matter how hard it gets, Allah Azza wa Jal will never ever burden any soul more than that soul's capacity to bear that suffering. He believes that. And whenever anything good comes to him, he doesn't celebrate it as if it's his own doing. You get a promotion at work. That's all, that's all my work. Everything that I've done. Something good happens to you in your life. And you think you've achieved everything. And you're the best person that you could possibly be. You're the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. And you have the pride and the ego swells. And you think so much more of yourself than you truly are. Forgetting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever good comes to you, it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you need to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for providing you with that. Or for putting you in that position. That's something again that we don't do. We don't do it. How can we strengthen our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our reliance on Him, if we don't thank Him for the good? And when the bad befalls us, then trust in Him that He's going to pull us out of it. Trust in Him that He's going to make things better for us. That's what tawakkul is. And this is something that exemplified the teachings of Shaykh Abdul Qadir. Ajilani and uh, Abdullah ibn, Ali, uh, ibn, Ali, ibn Ali al-Haddad he mentions he said once that one Shaykh Abdul Qadir he was he was uh, discoursing on destiny 
he was talking about Al-Qadr. He said, a, a great viper, a snake, fell on top of his neck and it coiled around his neck. All the students were looking at the Shaykh, afraid that this viper that's coiled around his neck is going to suffocate him, is going to kill him. He said, but the Shaykh was left unperturbed. He continued with the discourse as if nothing had happened. The, the snake then uncoiled itself and went away. Now he exemplified those three things, right? That he, he hopes and fears only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He hopes in and fears only Allah. Worrying about his sustenance never enters his heart. And he knew that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had planned for him, only that's going to happen, whether it's good or it's bad. He understood that. So he believed that his heart would remain tranquil in fearful situations. From a young age, from the age of six or seven, when the highwaymen came and took away his gold, his heart remained tra- tranquil, knowing this risk, this sustenance, is provided to him by Allah, is given to him by Allah, and it can be taken away by Allah. If only we understand that. And that's something that we, we have lost to today. This is why when you, the verses of the Qur'an that talk about awliya Allah, أَلَا إِنَّ أَوْلِيَاء اللَّهِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَهُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Indeed, the, the friends of Allah, the beloveds of Allah, لا خوف عليهم that there is no fear upon them ولاهم يحزنون and they shall never grieve this is what it means that when you place your trust and your reliance in Allah and you become his and Allah becomes your wali Allah becomes your protector Allah becomes your wakil he becomes the disposer of your affairs he is the one who you entrust with your affairs then there is going to be no fear upon you. You're not going to have any fear of your risk leaving you. You're not going to have any fear of your children uh, going astray. Something that we often fear. All, par- all parents have the fear of. That their children are going to go away. Their children are going to go astray. If you entrust in Allah, Allah will make your affairs easier. And trusting in Him means praying to Him. Trusting in Him means following the way of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is why I'm going to mention to you the difference between tawakkul and tawakkul. Tawakkul means you place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whilst also implementing the means that you have or the means that have been provided for you. Whereas tawakkul, it comprises of elements of laziness, of inability, of a careless attitude. And I'll give you an example from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. There was a Bedouin who confused tawakkul for tawakkul. He came to the Prophet ﷺ and he asked about a matter. And he was told or informed by the Prophet ﷺ to place his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a hadith, Sayyidina Anas ibn Maliki reports, and this is mentioned by Imam al-Tirmidhi in his Sunan, that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he left his and he was he was, he gave the example of tawakkul. 
and he left his camel outside of the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu and he didn't tie the camel down and the Prophet sallallahu ordered him to tie his camel down before he enters the masjid and the man asked the Prophet sallallahu he said should I not have trust should I not have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by leaving it or should I tie it down and then have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu said first tie it down and then have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what do we get from that story Tawakkul doesn't mean that be lazy, place your trust in Allah. Allah will take care of everything. You just sit down and don't do anything about it. Tawakkul means taking the means. Tawakkul means putting your effort, sincere effort in every single thing that you do and then placing your trust in Allah. Now I've done all, all that I could do, the rest is up to Allah. Tawakkul is... You have an exam tomorrow, as a young child, the children that I hear, you have an exam tomorrow. And you don't revise. You say, I'm not going to revise, I place my trust in Allah, Allah is going to give me a pass. Allah is going to make sure, or ensure that I get a good grade. You don't study, you don't do anything. What's going to happen? Naturally, you're going to fail. That's not sincere reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's deception from the shaitan. That's deception from yourself. Tawakkul means studying as much as you possibly can. Exerting all efforts to ensure that you're going to pass your exams. And then when the time of the exam comes, making dua and saying to Allah, oh Allah, I've done whatever I could do. Now I'm going to take this exam. Grant me the best result. You take that exam. After you've taken the exam, you know that you've done whatever you could possibly do. Now it's in the hands of Allah to give you a good result. That's tawakkul. And that's the difference between tawakkul and tawakkul. And that's something that we need to understand. We can't expect to sit on our, our, uh, uh, our sofas at home resting on our laurels, expecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just to magically take care of all of our affairs and make everything easy for us without us even trying an inch, without us even moving an inch. We have to ensure that we try, we make an effort, we're sincere in our approach. We follow the teachings of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We understand the life of the Prophet alayhi salatu we recite the Qur'an often. We try to get as close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as we can. Don't be, don't be like those individuals. Don't be like the vast majority of us. That we only approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we need Him. We only place our reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we're in dire need of His services. And then throughout the rest, 99% of our time goes in trivial pursuit, in forgetting about everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for us. Every single thing. Place your reliance and your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But 
look at the example. I'll leave you with the, the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, how your affair will be changed. It is reported by Sayyidina Amr ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala an. The Prophet وسلم, said, لو, لو, لو that if you, the Prophet ﷺ said, if you placed your trust and your reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way he deserves to be relied on, the way he deserves to have your trust placed on. <coughs> this is what the Prophet ﷺ said. What will happen? He would provide rizq for you. He will provide your sustenance for you, just like he provides the sustenance for the birds. How does he provide sustenance for the birds? When they leave in the morning, they leave with an empty stomach. And when they return in the evening, they return with their bellies full. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide your sustenance for you. You will not even have no you will not even realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done this for you. This is the reliance that we need to have. This is the trust that we need to place in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in even the smallest of our affairs. Place your reliance on him, place your trust in him, and see how your life changes. But don't expect that you can magically place your trust in him and then not do anything for him, and he's going to control all of your affairs. You never pray your salah and you expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make everything easy for you. You never act upon the teachings of the Messenger of Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to magically make everything easy for you in your life. No. You have to take the means. You have to do whatever you can and then place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to control that which you can't. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the blessed sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.